Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest is Dr. Brian Lenskis. He's the founder of lowcarbadvisor.com. So we're going to be talking about that site and uh, the ketogenic diet and low-carb living. So, Dr. Brian, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing great. Great to be with you. I'm off-site right now. I'm in Kentucky. I'm usually for in San Diego, California. So hopefully we have a good connection and can get a good conversation in here. Yeah, you sound fine. As long as you haven't had too much... Uh, Kentucky bourbon or, or whiskey, and you, then you, you probably be okay. I haven't got there yet. I, mean, I was flying all night, so now I'm just kind of trying to stay awake. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for, having, ha- thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, cool. Well, tell me about uh, you know your website and your business. What's the premise of it, and what do you do? Well, really, it's kind of a yeah, – it started out – I'm an internal medicine doc, and I've been in practice for about 14 years. And I came across a low-carb ketogenic diet about a year and a half ago after struggling with my weight my entire life. And so I started getting really intrigued with it. And I know you just interviewed Rachel Gregory, and I've worked with her in San Diego. And, and Megan Ramos and I are actually doing some stuff together uh, right now, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, I, it just kind of it kind of morphed into that. And one of the problems being an internal medicine doc is that we don't have a lot of time to spend with each patient. And it's really important to get the information. And to explain, uh, you know, low carb, ketogenic diet, uh, insulin resistance, all these kind of things that I've heard you talk about on the show, um, those those are are hard things to get through on a 15 minute appointment. So I started coming to the conclusion, you know, I should start this low carb advisor. Well, funny enough, it was going to be called Low Carb MD, uh, but my friend this is about a year and a half ago. But my buddy, who's an attorney, we went to high school together, and you know, I was having him do some legal stuff just to make sure I'm covered legally on these kind of things, and. He said, you know, Brian, he said, I haven't slept in two days. It's been bugging me. I think you shouldn't call it low-carb MD. You should call it something else because the MD puts you at risk. This is kind of new stuff. And, you know, so he, he talked me into calling it low-carb advisor, which I changed the name and the website and all that kind of stuff. So about two weeks ago, he called me and said, hey, Brian, how's things? And we we just having a talk. He said, I've lost 55 pounds doing low-carb stuff. And he said, you really didn't have to wow. change your name. It would have been fine. <laughs> now, in retrospect, he said, all my office does it now. And I, so you start realizing, wow, it is starting to, you know, back then, a year and a half ago, a lot of people didn't know about it. But now a lot of people are starting to understand it, seeing success in their families and stuff like that. So the low-carb advisor, I started that for my patients so I could send them there. And I had links to all the science that was happening, like, you know, what Jason Fung was doing and what, uh, uh, you know, just a, a Tim Noakes and all these people that are out there that are doing big things. And, and doing a lot of research from, you know, not just weight loss and diabetes, but we're talking about Parkinson's disease and dementia and all that. So I wanted people to understand that this is not just a knee, knee reflex reaction, but it's something that is beneficial in a lot of ways. And that's, that's how the, the website came about. Well, since you have a, a good perspective being a doctor and seeing patients, you know, like you said, you can't unload all this on them in 15 minutes. I mean, it takes... I don't know, it takes life experience. In my experience, it takes pain. It takes, you know, having to really maybe years of not feeling well to even come around. And the lucky ones are the ones that don't have, let's say, a heart attack or diabetes or some horrible medical condition before they come around. You know, they just may, but they still probably not eat well for many, many years. 
So what do you do to get people into the mindset? Like, how do you introduce them? And what do you notice? How long does it take people to come around? And what are some of the reservations they have? Well, you know, obviously, the, for my reservation as a doc, you know, I can't recommend something that's going to blow up someone's heart. You know, I don't care how much you weigh as long as you're not having cardiovascular disease, diabetes. So I had to look at that. And for myself doing it, I said, well, let me look at the science and see what is causing heart disease. Have we been right about the science? And so I went back. Most docs are in my situation struggling with weight, struggling with, I, I didn't really have a lot of health problems, but I was pre-diabetic about a year and a half ago. And that's what we see a lot. And and the thing that really struck me, and, and I would recommend everyone listen to Jason Fung. There's, uh, he has a bunch of YouTube videos out there that are free. And I ha- basically what started is I had a patient who said, hey, doc, I looked at him, he lost 40 pounds. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing this thing called the fast diet. It's kind of crazy. And it, was, it wasn't Jason Fung, but it was a different guy. So basically what this guy did was fasted two days a week, like Tuesday and Thursday, he basically had 500 calories a day and, and cut his carbs out. And I said, what about the other days? He said, I eat whatever I want. I said, and how much, you lost 40 pounds doing that? And he said, yeah. And I said, so you drink beer and have pizza and stuff? He said, yeah. He says, weird because, and I said, well, the day after you fast, you must be eating twice as much food to make up for it. And he says, no, I'm not really hungry the next day. I'm kind of forcing myself to eat. I said, well, that's weird. What does make sense? So I didn't understand the science at that time, but what it turns out is on those fasting days, he was dropping his insulin down. And for people who don't know, insulin is the number one determiner of fat storage. Um, you know, obviously with diabetes is a huge factor. If you're, if you're not sensitive to insulin anymore, you need more and more insulin to get the job done. So what he was doing in two days a week was making his body sensitive to insulin again. Then his appetite was going down because insulin stimulates appetite also. So he started having a bunch of health benefits and I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. How can this be? So I looked up Jason Fung, watched his video and he just says the same thing. He said, Hey, fasting is super healthy and you know, you don't need to eat five times a day and there's no data to support that. And so I had to step back and say, well, let me look and see if there's data to support. There's not. There's no data. As a matter of fact, since then, two huge studies have come out saying that people do better eating fewer times per day in a shorter eating window than a longer eating window. Before, we used to think, oh, it's, it stimulates your appetite. So if you skip breakfast, I mean, your, your, your metabolism. So if you skip breakfast, you're going to shut your whole system down and, and go into starvation mode. And that's not true at all. So, you know, so that's what made so. me start okay. coming around to it, you know, and then, you know, what do we see most of, as a primary care doc, the, the vast majority of what I see is diabetes, you know, cardiovascular disease, fatigue, weight gain, and hypertension, and all these things come back to insulin resistance when you understand it. So once people start cutting their sugars out, cutting down on, on processed food, and really we're coming back to eating real food, right, right, not just not eating a bunch of junk stuff that we're all eating. And not having to eat every two hours, if, if you shrink down that eating window, you just do a heck of a lot better. And that, that's what my experience started showing me. So, you know, let's talk about intermittent fasting first. So um, there's various protocols out there, you know, don't eat for two days a week at all. Um, do 16-hour fast and then eat an eight-hour window. Have you tried different uh, protocols and what do you see works well for you and for patients? What are they telling you what works well for them? Yeah, you know, I I think what it's going to come down to with everyone, I, I've talked to some of the world experts, Jason Fung, I think is the, 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 he's become a friend of mine and a mentor. And we talk about it. And I said, Hey, Jason, you know, we, he was actually out in San Diego. And we, I said, Hey, let's get together for dinner. We, we have a talk with him and Brett Schur, who's a cardiologist, who, who is a low carb guy, who's looked at the data also, who I happen to have trained with. And we lost track for 12 years. Now we come back together. We have the same philosophy of medicine and we're both having the same results. So I said, Jason, what do you do with someone who just can't fast if they say you can't do it? And he says, tell them not to fast. If they don't have to fast, I mean, if it works for you, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. The fact is it works for everyone. And the studies show that 
but it's just kind of getting to that point. I think, I don't think there's a specific protocol that that's the perfect one fast two days a week. I think it comes down to how insulin resistant are you? If you're 300 pounds and you're diabetic, I think getting into a, a good fasting protocol uh, uh, really, really benefits it, uh, be- benefits them a lot. So some people, so some people um, will, uh, uh, you know, fast once a week. One, two, some people fast once a month. Some people if I do a five day fast at once. And so it's really how you feel. And what I generally recommend to people is like, Hey, listen to your body. Don't eat on the clock. Don't eat every three hours. If you're not hungry, just because you think you're speeding your metabolism, you're not helping yourself. So it really is going to come down to an individual um, process. And I think the reality is if you're super insulin resistant, it's impossible to fast. If your insulin level is above 15 or so, uh, your body's running on sugar and that high insulin level blocks you from getting to that fat source. So once you get to your fat source and you can use that energy, your body says, oh, I have an energy source here I can use. I don't have to rely on sugar uh, constantly. And that's what we're finding is, is a lot of people just naturally going go into a fasting protocol because you know, they'll, they'll be busy one day and say, oh, I forgot lunch today. I didn't even eat. But they weren't hungry, so it didn't remind them. And then they wait and have dinner that night. You know, so that's kind of how it worked for me. I realized I'm not hungry all the time. And there's a lot of data coming out over the last several months in particular. Even yesterday, I saw a study in England that they showed that people with higher triglycerides are hungry way more often than people with lower triglycerides. And people who follow the low-carb ketogenic diet will know that triglycerides drop in half super quick. That's the biggest change we see in this kind of diet. And when you drop your triglycerides, that may be another factor of why you don't get hungry. Triglycerides cross the blood-brain barrier, and that can block the satiety hormone and stimulate the hunger hormone. So you get into this bad cycle with carbs where your triglycerides get high, they stimulate hunger, then you eat more carbs, then then you can't break that cycle. And that's why we're so addicted to carbohydrates. Well, question here. So you're saying if you have high insulin resistance, you have all these problems. I totally agree. But how do I know that I have high insulin resistance? I can go and you know stick my finger, test my blood sugar. But if I'm new to this, how do I know if I have high insulin resistance? What can I do? Can I get myself tested? What do I do? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing, and, and as a practicing doc, I never even looked at this stuff until about a year and a half ago. So and when you realize we have a 10-year window on diabetes before we get it. Because what happens is, it's kind of like alcohol, if you put it this way, with insulin. What Jason Fung taught me was, hey, when you have a type 2 diabetic come in, their sugars are high, right, around 300. He said, if you check their insulin level, they're high. And you think, that doesn't make sense because if their sugar's high, insulin gets sugar out of the bloodstream, then their insulin should be low, but it's high. But it's kind of like alcohol. If you say, hey, Brian, look, I'm drinking 10 beers a night and I can't get drunk, what should I do? Uh, yeah, then to have 12, 14, 16, 20 until you get the effect you want? Or do you say, gosh, you know what? That's a lot. It's going to cause you to gain weight and you're going to get an ulcer. Yeah. Why don't we cut back on the alcohol for two or three weeks and see what happens? You have, go out with your friends, have one drink, and you, you get the effect you want. The same idea holds for insulin. Where When we make our body sensitive to insulin, we don't need to inject insulin anymore. That smaller amount of insulin will start working. And to give you an example of what I'm talking about, I, I had an executive in, and he's from India, pretty much vegan diet. Every meal, rice, every meal, bread, every meal, carbs, fruit, fruit juice, stuff like that. But, you know, you look on the surface and say, hey, you're pretty healthy. His dad had a heart attack. His brother has diabetes. So we look at his three-month sugar average, which is the standard of care of what we check when we're worried about sugars. His three-month sugar average is 5.2, which is super normal, totally in the normal range. Uh, Six and a half is diabetes, just to put it in perspective. 5.7 is considered normal. 
So I said, you know, let, let's check an insulin. So th- this is where I'm getting at. The ins- fasting insulin level, I think, is a very valid test. It's not perfect. There are some, some drawbacks to it uh, in that some people can have a normal fasting insulin, but when they eat carbs, it shoots way up high. And so we may miss a few people. Um, so th- the warning signs – oh, so anyways, this guy, I'll, let me go back to his story. So it's 5.2, but his insulin level is 38. Normal is around five or less. Ideal is less than three. He's at 38, and he's a pretty thin guy, you know, a few pounds overweight. And so I said, man, I'm concerned about this. Your, your insulin is 38. Sure. Said, yeah, but my A1C is 5.2. What are you worried about, Doc? And I said, you know, it's like running on a treadmill that's too fast. Your pancreas can't keep up with this. And so I said, let's check it in three months. Three months later, he comes in, you know, frustrated that he had to come in because he thought I was overreacting. His A1C went to 6.4 in three months. So went from 5.2 to 6.4, 6.5 is diabetes. So he's one Twinkie away from having diabetes. Basically. Now he says, okay, doc, I got the point. I'm cutting my carbs. Just talked to him last week. He's, he's lost 20 pounds and I just ordered his labs and we're, and we're going to see what the, the follow-up is. I guarantee his A1C is going to be a lot better. It's going to be back in the normal range. And so it's that kind of stuff where we can catch it. We don't have to wait till you have diabetes and then say, Oh, we had to reverse this process. Right, we can we can catch your pancreas before it burns out, and that that's the point. Um, okay, what? So A1C will track. Just to be specific, it'll track your average blood sugar over the past ninety days. Is that what it does, or does it track your insulin? Correct, level? correct. It tells you where you're at, but but even if you're maintaining in the normal range, you can be right. kicking that insulin up like crazy to keep it in the normal range. So you're working way too hard, it's like running too fast on the treadmill, sweating and breathing hard. I don't have to be that smart to tell you, hey, you can't keep up. The same thing goes for your pancreas, which is the organ that makes the insulin. So if your pancreas yeah, is cranking sense. out insulin. Does it have a name? Is it just like, hey, hey, doc, I want to get blood work done. Um, I want to look at my insulin level. Where, you know, like what should, what, what is it called? Does it call yeah. anything special? Because A1C, you know, why is it called that? Um, is it just called insulin test? And it sounds like yeah, you it, recommend yeah. people get fasting insulin and non-fasting insulin to compare as well. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of indicators we could tell metabolic disease. And, and this is an important thing from a cardiovascular risk factor is insulin resistance. Generally, we could tell kind of just by looking at you, you know, if you got a big belly sticking out, you know, the biggest risk for insulin resistance really is someone with a big belly, skinny arms and legs, you know, kind of that, that guy who hits his stomach and says, look, it's all muscle. There's no fat there. But what we have to realize is the fat that we can pinch, like love handles, the fat around our thighs, that kind of stuff, um, that's not doesn't increase your cardiovascular risk. Because what that is doing is your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Insulin comes, grabs that sugar, and says, okay, where do you want me to stick this? You know, if you worked out that morning, you have, you have glycogen depletion in your muscles, then it's going to stick it in the muscles first and fill that up. And then once that's full, it's going to say, okay, let's stick it in the love handles. We'll store it in, in this, this peripheral body fat. And then after that, uh, it's going to stick around the livers and organs. And that's called visceral fat. And that is the most dangerous stuff around. And so people don't realize the, the implications of that. Um, some people just don't have enough fat tissue. And instead of storing it in their love handles around their gut, they start storing it inside near the organs. And that's the most dangerous type of, of fat. That's called visceral fat. And that is the highest risk of cardiovascular disease. So there's a lot of overweight people walking around that are metabolically healthy. So what we look at, not just the, and to go back to your question, the, the fasting insulin level is that's what it's called. It's in a lot of doctors. Two years ago, I would have no idea what someone was talking. Say, why do you want that? Oh, we just checked the A1C. But the point is, this is like your check engine light. If that if that fasting insulin is high, it tells us a heck of a lot. If it's low, we might get a falsely pricked, but generally not. And there's insulin challenges you can do if you 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 know check your insulin level 
drink a bunch of sugar and then check it again a couple hours later. And if it spikes really high, you say, oh, that's a, not a natural response. You're hyper, you're still insulin resistant. You need a huge insulin to get rid of that sugar. So that's why it makes sense from an obesity standpoint too. When you, when you look at people and you say, well, this lady weighs a hundred pounds. She eats carbs all day long. It can't be the carbs. Well, she's insulin, she's insulin sensitive, meaning one third of people can eat all the carbs they want and they can handle and they can do whatever they want. Two thirds of people and growing are insulin resistant, meaning you start eating the same amount of sugar, you start going to get fat, you're going to gain weight. It's going to, it's going to cause all kinds of metabolic derangement. So the, the big keys we can see on labs and I can say, oh, you're insulin resistant. Is that fasting insulin level, high triglycerides and low HDL cholesterol, which is the triglycerides are, are another fat in the blood. LDL is what we all talk about, but when you look at risk factors, if you have a low HDL and a high triglyceride, that puts you at a major risk of cardiovascular disease. That tells you something's wrong with the system metabolically. LDL is really interesting over the last couple of years, and we could talk a little bit more about that if you want, but what we find is a lot of athletes, ultramarathon runners, you know, physically fit people have high LDL cholesterol, but normal HDL and normal triglycerides. When I look at coronary calcium scores or set them for a stress test, they blow it out of the water and they do fine. Everything's normal. Zero scores on this stuff. No coronary disease despite having elevated LDL cholesterol. So, you know, there's things where we say, gosh, we just reflex and say, oh, let's just treat the cholesterol. But, uh, you know, it may, it may, they may be metabolically healthy and we're just over-medicating people. So, you know, what I want to do is give people at least, you know, those initial tools and insights so they could even know to ask. Like you said, even if I go to a regular doctor and I say to them, "Hey, I want to know. I want blood work. I want my fasting insulin. I want my, uh, you know, I, I forget what you call it. After you eat insulin, they'll look at me and say, why do you want that?' So that's what I'm trying to ask you here: is what can people yeah. do to at least get a handle on where they're at? They may be fat, they may be thin, they may think they're fine, but how do they know? And so this sounds like one great way for them to start is look at those. Yeah, I think that. And yeah, and go that, from there. that's the way. The, the basic panel that you'd say is they look. Let me get my, uh, obviously there's something called a complete metabolic panel that checks your liver, kidneys, electrolytes. Now, one of the big things with prediabetes and insulin resistance is elevated liver tests because, you know, a plot between 60 and 75% of the people in the U.S. right now have fatty liver disease, we meaning you're storing fat in your liver. Now, that fat comes from high carbohydrate intake, not high fat intake. And that's where we've been wrong for the forever. Now we're realizing, oh, if we cut out their carbs, we can reverse fatty liver disease. I was just talking to a, a surgeon who who does liver transplants, and he says, yeah, we don't we don't transplant people with fatty liver disease. And I said, well, that's two thirds of your patients basically. And he said, well, no, because we cure them of it within a week. And I said, really? What, what's your protocol? And they said, well, we 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 put them on a high fat, zero carb diet basically for five days. Then we fast them for two days before surgery, giving them IV fluids and uh, coffee and tea. And guess what? 100% reversal of fatty liver disease. Now, to put it in perspective, yeah, fatty liver disease is the number two cause of cirrhosis right now, right behind alcohol, and it's projected to pass it within the next year based on the trajectories of both of those conditions. And that is caused by high carbohydrate intake, meaning processed foods, you know, sugar, that kind of stuff. So it tells you a heck of a lot that... What we do is once we fill up our liver stores of fat of, with, with glycogen, it starts turning into fat, and then um, uh, we break that down when we need it. But if we're eating every two hours, guess what? You never need that fat source. You just keep storing it in there. But if you fast, yeah. that's why fasting has become such an important thing because if I deplete my liver glycogen stores a bit and I, I <laughs> save some room, when I do go out for pizza or something like that, I have a place to put that sugar again. I, I'm not going to spill it out into diabetes, if that makes sense to you. 
Mm. Yeah, I got you. So basically, the basic so, lab panel is that. Get a three-month sugar average. Check your fasting insulin level. Look at your triglycerides, HDL ratios, things like that. And that will give you a good indicator. Plus, you know, the biggest thing for me as a primary, the biggest complaint I hated was people come and say, Doc, I'm just tired all the time. I'm just fatigued. I, you know, are you depressed? Are you tired? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you, you know, stressed? And a lot of times it wasn't a good answer. And then we check a fasting influence, super high. We go, What's your diet yeah. like? Oh, monster drinks, carbs. You, you know, you just burn out. You know, we talk about, you know, um, uh, adrenal fatigue and all that. I think a lot of that stuff is just that you've burned out your pancreas and you've burned out your, you know, you're shooting up insulin. And, you know, the average American gets hypoglycemic like three to five times a day just because you're eating so really? many carbs that, yeah, insulin overreacts to the sugar and makes your sugars low. Then you're hungry again. Then you eat again. Then your sugars go up, and then you're chasing the tail all day. So someone who has eggs and bacon for breakfast, for instance, or doesn't eat breakfast, or they have, uh, uh, you know, bacon and avocado and a, a bunch of vegetables for breakfast, it's going to respond a lot differently than if you have donuts and coffee with sugar in it, right? Your body's going to spike the insulin with the, with the donuts, and then insulin goes up, sugar gets low. You get hypoglycemia. I have to eat every two hours. That's why we have to eat every two hours. But if you're eating a, you know, people who eat a higher fat, higher protein diet, they're not hungry. They go, I forgot to eat lunch today. That's the thing is that that's the effect we're looking for. And, and so it's very individualized. So if someone's insulin sensitive, they can get away with a lot more. And, and so, right, right. you know, it's not that, you know, we're, I think most, I haven't talked to anyone who's dogmatic that says, look, zero carbs, you're going to die if you have any carbs. If you have a pizza one day, or if you have a piece of bread, you're going to die. Most everyone says, right. you know, if you're 350 pounds and your sugars are 300, why do you need extra sugar exactly? You don't. Even sugar's your problem, you know? So I think there's a big paradigm shift coming in medicine, and we're seeing it. And, and the data's there. The science is there. So what, the um, are there. what do you see? Um, what are the showstoppers for people? So they, they come in. They listen to you. They watch videos. They say, all right, doc, I'm going to try this. You know, what do you tell them initially? And then, you know, a month out or a few weeks out or X number of months out, Maybe they come back in and you follow up with them and they've, they've failed or they've succeeded. You know, what do you see are the biggest indicators and necessary things for people to succeed with this? Well, heck, you, you just did an, advertise, an advertisement for me. My new project right now, well, it, it, I have a low-carb advisor. I already had the website for low-carb MD because that's what I was going to call my website. So this guy named Tro Kalasian, you're going to hear about this guy in the next year or two. He's He's lost 150 pounds. He's an internal medicine doc like me. I've lost about 50 pounds. So together we've lost about 200 pounds hmm. going against the standard of care. We're having success in our patients. He reverses his, his uh, you know, pre-diabetes stuff and, and all of his stuff normalizes. So I got in touch with him. I said, Troll, you know what? We should do a podcast. Why are you and I successful and other people aren't? This is what we have to figure out. So I reached right. out to Jason Fung, who's been a mentor, and he's one of the big guys in town, and, and Gary Taubes, who, who's huge. You may have heard of him. He's written a lot of yep, books. Yeah, I read his books. He's cool. Yeah. yeah. So he's a huge guy, and he knows his stuff. So I reached out to those guys, and Jason calls me and said, Brian, you know, I don't want to come on as a guest. I want to collaborate with you. This is a huge deal, and this is something we all have to get. We can help a lot of people because it's not for everyone. Some people can fast. Some people can't. Some people can do total keto. Some people just say twice a week, let me give up wine. I've had a guy... He just quit drinking soda. He lost 36 pounds in six weeks. That's all he did. Everything else was being the same. Just quit soda, right? Wow. Quit orange juice. You quit different things. So it's freaking out for that individual. So what we're doing is we're bringing on people. As a matter of fact, I just had a patient of mine on. It's going to be called Low Carb MD Podcast. Uh, it's, we're going to release around Thanksgiving time to give people tips for the holidays, how to not gain 30 pounds during the holidays. And then January 1st, you're killing yourself to take off those pounds you should have 
avoided in the first place. So we have a lady, she, she, she's lost 30 pounds, gains 30 pounds, loses 20 pounds. But, you know, in talking to her, it's the same thing. You go back to your old ways and what you know. You get stressed. Your husband's mean to you for a day. You, you know, work's not going right. You get tired. You have your birthday and you cake, and then you just stay on the bandwagon, right? So some people, it's just like, just like alcohol. Some people can have a beer every once in a while, and they're fine. Some people have one beer, and they want a 1,000 beers, right? They, they can't stop. And so you, you have to yeah. figure out for what works. So what we're going to do is have people on that have been extremely successful, that have lost a lot of weight on this. And then some people who struggle and say, look, I just couldn't fast. Here's what I had to do. And so it's going to resonate with people who are out there saying, you know, I can't fast, but maybe I could cut my carbs two days a week and see what happens. And then, okay, let's try three days. Because when you say, okay, you're giving up carbs today, you're never going to have bread again. Mentally, for all of us, that's super stressful. So, and I think once a person realizes that, for me, I got fat on on, uh, tortilla chips, you know, tortillas. I wasn't eating a ton of sugar, but all those carbs break down the sugar. You know, sourdough bread, love it. You know, give me a, a you know soup with a sourdough bread. That's exciting. And so some people it's sweet, some people it's alcohol, some, whatever, right? So we figure out. So I know for me, for instance, a trigger would be Mexican food. If I go out to a Mexican restaurant, I'll have chips and salsa. So guess what? I go to a Mexican restaurant maybe once every four or five months. And then when I go, I'll have a few chips and salsa. Big deal, right? It's not going to kill. But if you do it three times a week, then you're going to get into trouble. So it's that kind of thing when you start understanding yourself and that's going to be the key. And that's why we're doing this podcast is to say, okay, you, I have some patients say, I hate counting macros. I hate this stuff, but you know what? I could fast two days a week easily. I'll do it on Monday and Wednesday. That's what I do. I fast on Monday. Generally, if I get home early enough, I'll have, you know, cause I'm busy and I'm just shoving something down if I eat. So I say, I'll just wait and have, yeah. have dinner with my wife when I get home. If I get home too late, I'll say, okay, I'll fast and have breakfast tomorrow, right? Whatever. So being flexible and the people who are successful, that's what I see. They're not dogmatic. They just say, look, this week I have two weddings I'm going to. If they want to have a drink, okay, I'll have a drink. I'm not going to say, no, I can't do that. I can't have that. So Jason says, fast during the day and go and eat your dinner and do your thing. You know, you don't have to be that person who's, who's militant, you know, and that, that, you know, just like if someone quits smoking, they're at, after everyone who smokes and says that's gross and disgusting and not saying, yeah, I was just there a couple months ago and here's what I did and try to help people to join them, you know, rather yeah. than just criticizing what they're eating. So it's funny because I've had times I walk into a room and I have friends that they look at me with guilt because they're eating a piece of bread or something. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. <laughs> I eat bread too. I'm not, you know, it's not like you're, 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 you know, smoking crack here, but they act like that. You know, it's funny. It's like the pastor walking in and everyone's cussing and they're like, Oh no, that feeling like, Oh no, he saw us type thing. <laughs> so, you know, none of us are militant about that. And the more you're around, the more you see that a lot of people get portrayed yeah. that way, but it's not like that. I think you say, Hey, look for me. I know I feel bad if I eat a ton of carbs and it's just not, and I gain weight. I, I'm not happy doing that. So, Hey, I feel great when I'm working out, I'm taking care of myself. And, and so I think that's what we're, we're shooting for. And that, that question is excellent. Say, why do some people fail and some people succeed? Right. And that's, you know, yeah. when you ask the biggest, the biggest stumbling block I've seen, and I think we have the answer to it, by the way. Um, and you may want to have this guy on his name's Ben Bacchicchio. He's, he has a book and, and it's funny. Cause I said, this guy's a quack. When I heard the name of his book, it's 15 minutes to fitness. And he has an exercise regimen that people do. You do 15 minutes to exhaustion, but you're not doing high intensity, like jumping rope and running. You do, yeah. and I've done the workout with him and it's pretty amazing. You, you, you just do slow, like you're doing your curls, do slow and you do it for about 90 seconds. And you go to that point where you just can't make it, you can't lift anymore and your muscles just stop. And he goes, okay, you're done. Mm-hmm. One set. Okay. Then you do legs. Then you do this. And just going through that. And if, and, and, and so the biggest stumbling block I see is my middle-aged women, their husband, loses 40 pounds right away. She loses six pounds. And she says, this sucks because I'm doing the same thing as him. I lost six pounds. Well, women, we, we're understanding this is hormonally remediated. So women have a lot more 
hormone issues. And it takes a while. The more insulin resistant you are, the harder it takes to get on track. And also what we find is people who have a terrible diet will kill it on this kind of thing because they go from drinking five Cokes a day and eating chips and crackers. Now they're having macadamia nuts, you know, fish, salmon, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and they're feeling good. So they're not eating as much and they lose weight. Like great. Those guys, I have guys who've lost way more weight than I have just because they had such, my, my diet was pretty healthy before, but they had such a bad diet that they look like a genius. So a lot of people don't have that experience that they lose 80 pounds in the first year, but um, it's just figuring out your body. Do you need more calories, less calories? Do you need less carbs, more carbs sometimes? And so that's what we're trying to do is figure that question out. And when we figure that out, it's going to help a lot of people. So, yeah, do you shepherd your uh, patients through the process or do you tell them and they say, you know, slap them in the ass and say, see you later, have a nice life? You know, what, what do you have to do while they're in this to get them through? I know that some people have an easier time, some people harder. Everyone's radically different. It's totally true. But what have you found yeah, that you need to do it, to get these people through? You know, it's something, you know, I'll tell you, some people, I'm shocked. As a matter of fact, yesterday I had a lady came in, she had an acute thing, she had shingles, right? So she comes out and I look at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened to you? You look awesome. Like, she goes, yeah, I lost 26 pounds. I said, really? What are you doing? Because I'm always curious. I like to hear it. This isn't the only answer. So I said, what are you doing? She goes, Doc, don't you remember in February, you and you, we talked about cutting my carbs and all that stuff? She goes, my husband lost 36 pounds. I lost like 26 pounds. And, oh, you got to be kidding me. You haven't even, we haven't even talked. So these guys just went out and they looked and they looked at the literature. They read it. And so I think Jason Fung has a book called The Obesity Code, The Diabetes Code. I think those should be mandatory reading for anyone with diabetes, pre-diabetes, family history of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, because the science is there and he explains it in a way where we can understand it. So hmm. my, my dilemma was this. I had personal success with it. I held off on patients. I waited about six months because I'm not going to start telling people something that I realized, oh, it's not working anymore. I gained all my weight back, right? So I've sustained my weight loss for a year and a half. And so the, the, the big thing is just trying to figure out, okay, how, how do I reach this person? I think the biggest problem I had was when I got the concepts and I understood insulin resistance, Diabetes educators generally don't understand it. They believe everyone needs carbs with each meal, which they don't if their sugars are 300. There's no indication. Yeah. There's no reason for that. So there's a mindset mm -hmm. in medicine that's so crazy and we're so wrong that it's going to take a while to get that fixed. So people like Rachel Gregory gets it. So what I do is say, hey, look, let me get you started. Let me make sure you're, you don't need me. To, I'm the MD. I don't need to walk you through the process. I just need to get you on the path and then chew you out so that Megan or you know Megan Ramos can help you or or these kind of guys who can do weekly follow-ups because there's a there's a company called ID uh, well IDM is, is uh, Megan Ramos and and Jason Fung they're having great success doing intermittent fasting and, and online programs and and the big thing is follow-up you know I think just like Weight Watchers people know like I have friends who are doing Weight Watchers they'll say oh I'm weighing in tomorrow I'm not gonna have any cake right so there's a peer pressure not to gain weight when you're going to your meeting. And I think uh, Vertex Clinic is the other one. They're doing heel clinics. They're doing a lot of benefit for people. They're, we're all kind of saying the same thing, maybe have a different approach. Uh, Vertex Clinic doesn't do fasting. Jason Fung's a big believer in fasting. I personally believe fasting helps you, gets you jump-started way better because you're depleting the, the glycogen stores. But what they do is they have follow-up. They have electronic follow-up, and they have a lot of stuff where, where people are following up every week. How are you doing? What's your struggles? And, and to keep you on track, because the biggest problem is if I see you and say, hey, here's what we're going to do, you say, okay, I'm ready to go and fire it up. And then three days later, you have a bar mitzvah, you have your kid's birthday party, you have some cake, and then you just go off the wagon for three months and come back, oh, you know, doc, I was doing great. And then I just, uh, so it's that kind of stuff. So it's it's the follow-up, I think, is the key. And, and the problem is we have a shortage of docs, so I can't be the person doing that. We have to have some kind of a network or a team 
of people who mm. will follow up afterwards, you know, get you on the right track and say, okay, follow with your trainer. He understands this stuff. I have a guy named Jeff Cotterman here at Tri-System Nutrition. He's doing great. He's, he's implementing this 15 minute workout for people. He's doing the, the, the low carb, by the way, he was a high carb guy and I converted him. It took, we had like hours of discussion. He was, he thought it was like a salesman trying to sell. I'm not selling you something. Look at your success rate with overweight <laughs> people, right? Cause his, his clientele, and this is why there's a, a, a battle going on. His clientele is world-class athletes, uh, you know, weightlifters trying to just pump five more pounds on their, on their bench press or, you know, make their triceps stand out a little more. But I said, yeah. wow, that's not going to save someone's life. It's getting someone off diabetes medicines, getting off people off hypertensive medicines, uh, cholesterol medicines, reversing their metabolic syndrome, that's what's going to save lives. And so now he's into it, and he's, he's doing a huge stuff down here in San Diego. And so it's exciting to have those teams, right, because, hey, follow up with Jeff, follow up with this person. And let's get you on the right track because when people get it, you don't need us forever. Once you get it, you get it. You don't need lifelong. You know, it's not like Weight Watchers lifelong where you got to follow up. You know, when you have success, you go, oh, I get this concept. Okay, I just don't need this. I eat this. And you have a food list of what to eat. Maybe, you know, not to get yourself into emergency situations where you don't have anything and you freak out and just eat chips and crackers to fill yourself up. Mm. So it's those kind of things. When people get their, their knowledge base and they have success, uh, they do well. And so I think knowing it's a process and, you know, middle-aged women out there, you know, I, I would tell you, ride it out. That's why I tell people, ride it out. Don't worry about the weight. Your body composition's changing. Just ride it out. We know it works. You just have to believe in the process at some point, you know, and, and weighing yeah. yourself every two hours is the answer to your problem. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, get your measurements. Are you losing weight around the middle and your thighs or your pants fitting better? Those are the big things. Cause weight is very, you know, if I go work out, I can get four pounds just by working out really hard. And I said, well, I gained four pounds yesterday. All right. You know, you didn't really gain four pounds. You have a lot of edema in your muscles from working out hard. That's okay. It doesn't mean anything. It's water weight. Don't worry about it. It's gone the next day and you lose six pounds, you know? So I think it's that. You didn't really lose six pounds, but but it's it's just riding the storm and saying, okay, look, I'm going to stick with this. I trust the science. And I think the big thing that frustrates me is I've given talks for free and I've done a lot of stuff to try to help people. And a lot of people say, you know what, doc, give me a meal plan that I have to follow. Just give me a meal plan. And say, well, you have to understand this. I'm not going to give you a meal plan because if you hate steak, I'm not going to tell you to eat steak three times a week. And if you hate vegetables, I'm not going to tell you to eat that. So you have to figure out what you like. Here's the food list. Figure out what works for you. You know, there's recipe books. Dietdoctor.com is outstanding. Uh, and I don't have any financial interest in any of these guys, but they, they're all doing a great job and we're all on the same page. Uh, dietdoctor.com, you know, they have food lists. Says, hey, if you're going to eat nuts, eat this nut, low carb. These are high carb. You're going to eat fruit. Don't eat bananas. Look how many carbs are in bananas. If you're going to have it, have strawberries or blueberries or blackberries. Look how many carbs you're saving. So people just don't understand. I have people that, you know, they're eating bananas all day long. It's like, you know, you guys have four Cokes now. You know, it, it, hmm. it's one of those things. People don't understand the, 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 the science behind it. Like, you know, we, we say healthy whole wheat bread. Well, there's four scoops of sugar in whole wheat bread. There's five in a regular white bread. Okay, you save one scoop of sugar. You're not saving your life doing that if you're diabetic. Right? But I, I so think one kind of people stuff. that... Yeah, I think one misunderstanding people have is that, you know, this is me saying it, not you, but carbs equal sugar, sugar equals carbs. So, like you said, a piece of bread versus a sugary drink, you really got to see them as nearly equivalent. So, I, you know, I hear all the time people talk about low-carb diets, but I don't hear them say low-carb and low-sugar. And that's, you know, maybe it's an incomplete picture if you don't say both. Yeah, so well, to you, us, you really to need us both, in my experience, in my opinion, but it's just my opinion. Well, and that's it. And, you know, some people could just give up Coke and they lose weight, right? And, and, and at least that's going to last for a while. They may get insulin resistant down the road. But the point is, if the longer you, the more you cut your carbs, the less hungry you get. So it's one of those darn things. It's a, 
it's hard to tell people because what I can tell and what my experience is, is people who are hardcore at the beginning and say, look, six weeks, I'm doing this thing. I don't care. I'm sucking it up. If I don't lose a pound, I'm still doing it. And they get that mindset. Then mm. they realize, hey, I'm not that hungry anymore. I'm not, I used to be starving, hangry, you know, they call it, or you know, stressed out before yeah. lunch and I had to snack all the time. Now they go, I don't even do that anymore. And they, they start losing weight. Then it gets, it becomes, a, this is the only, I don't want to say diet, but lifestyle that I know of that it gets easier with time because as you get more insulin sensitive, it's easier. You get like that skinny girl who doesn't gain weight when she's eating carbs. So people get away with more carbs later on down the road. So it's kind of the opposite. Most diets you have to get more strict over time because it's not working anymore because when you're calorie restricted, mm. it doesn't work. You know, there's studies on Weight Watchers and all these other ones. They have horrible success rates when you look at the actual data, you know, and talk to people and say, hey, I, I've been doing this for, you know, 14 and 15 years now. And I've never seen someone sustain weight loss with the uh, liquid diet. Never. It's never happened because it's a calorie-restricted diet. You shut your metabolism down. Then you gain all your weight back. One of the interesting things that's going to happen on our podcast is Jason Fung has been working with people that were contestants on the big, uh, America's Biggest Loser that lost a ton of weight, gained it all back, plus some. And now he's educating them on nutrition and real diet, not a fad thing where you work out seven. No one can work out seven hours a day, right? But – if you can do like this, there's uh, 15 minutes to fitness, you work out 15 minutes super hard twice a week, and the rest of the time you just do normal activities, right? And, and keep at And you have success doing that. And, and so I think things like that is where we're going to really reach people where you could say, look, you, we overcomplicate this stuff. It doesn't have to be that complicated. You know, if, you eat, you know, if you're eating bagels every morning, just give up the bagels and see what happens. You have eggs instead. Look what your sugar yep. look like. The biggest thing we're seeing is diabetes being reversed. I've had 13 people come off of insulin. 14 now, actually. 14 people That's come great. on insulin the last year and a half. Before that, and four, 13 years before that, zero. No one does because if you don't fix the underlying pathology better, you can cut your calories all you want, but if you're eating all carbs, guess what? You're spiking your insulin and you're, you're defeating your own purpose. So I think it's those right, kind yeah. of things when you realize it that you know, we, can, we can benefit the paradigm shift. You have to step back and say, okay, do I trust this process for a month? And that's what I did personally. And I had great, I, you know, I lost like 30 pounds my first month. I was like, holy cow, I've been killing myself hiking five days a week, doing all this crazy stuff and I can't lose weight. You get your nutrition right and you realize, oh, I'm insulin resistant. Let me fix that underlying problem. You drop your insulin level down. Everything else gets better. Fatigue gets better. Mood gets better. Cognition gets better. Depression gets better. Anxiety. Across the board, everything I'm treating, I was like, well, I could put myself out of a job if everyone did this. <laughs> I could go to the beach instead of going to work in the morning and that would be okay with me. Because I think we care yeah, and we well, want people to do better, you know? The sad thing is, with all the pressures everyone has of, you know, fast food, uh, carbs everywhere and all that, it's, uh, you'll never be out of a job, unfortunately. There's such a huge need. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and that's it. And so, you know, some people aren't going to listen. Some people are. I've had diabetics totally reverse their process. I've had others. I have a doctor. I just yesterday I said, you're coming on my podcast because you make me nuts. Because you know that he's a, he's a hospice doctor and his sugars are out of control. and I said, you're going to, you, how many people on your service right now, what percentage of your service right now is diabetic? And he said, uh, about three quarters, 75%. Like, is that where you want to go, man? You know, at some point you have to say, look, I'm going to take control of this. And I don't like French fries more than I like having my feet. You know what I mean? Because that's right. where we're going. If you don't change what you're doing, you're in a bad situation. You used to, he, and he's a doctor. So he realized most people don't realize where it's going. And I've seen those disasters and, and, and it's, it's horrible as a doctor to say, you know, we can't reverse your disease process anymore. Once your sugars are high for long enough, you get kidney failure, you get blindness, you get amputations, you get peripheral vascular disease, you get cardiovascular. All these things are a result of high sugars for a long period of time. 
and high mm-hmm. insulin levels. And so when you look at that, you say, gosh, these things are so preventable. It's fresh. It's like, you know, if you kept driving your car, I kept saying, you're, you know, your engine's making a weird noise and you keep driving till you blow up your engine. You don't want that mechanic. Say, ah, you blow up your engine. We could replace your engine now, right? We're going to do major surgery on you. Or you say, hey, you know, let's change your oil now before it's a problem. You know, you, you do that routine yeah. maintenance. Say, Let me, and, and that's the point. It's the same kind of concept with what we're doing medically. Like if you say what works, okay, some people just need to change their oil. Some people need a, 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 a tune-up. Other people need a major overall. You got to get serious about this, right? So if I see someone with sugars of 350 and they got all this stuff, hey, you got to be serious. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop drinking Coke and everything. No, you, you got to be super serious because you got to rest right, your pancreas right, because right. once it burns out, you go on insulin, you're going to gain 20 pounds. There's no doubt about it. Then your sugars, yeah. then you get more insulin resistance. It's like it's the same going back to the alcohol uh, thing. If I can say keep drinking more and more, at some point, you can't keep going. And you got to get sensitive to that. And, and that's what we're getting to. That's why we're passionate about it and, and say we can make a huge difference if people get that concept because all these disease and it's really for our healthcare system. We're, we're, we're dying under the weight of our own weight, basically. That's what, that's what Vinny Torchert said. He was on our show and he's an awesome guy from, uh, you know, he's a, 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 a sports nutrition guy for the stars, basically. And he knows his stuff and he's been saying low carb since the 80s and everyone said he was a nut. Now he's a wow. genius all of a sudden. He's coming out with a movie huh. called Fat, the documentary. I'd recommend. There's a trailer out. I'd recommend watching that. It's it's really uh, eye opening. And I think as we look at this stuff, and and you'll see, there's a lot of. And I'd be glad to give you some names of people that have on that will really make this, you know, sink home because there's cardiologists saying the same thing. There's there's vascular surgeons saying the same thing. Heart surgeons, they're seeing that the, what's happening, and they said we got to change. You you got to step back and change it. Like I had to do as a doc. I think it's okay to say, you know, I told you to eat five times a day and then never skip breakfast. Well, I was wrong. Here's what the right answer is, and you give them the right answer. Instead of saying, no, just keep doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to admit that we were, you know, we were going on the data we had, and now the data's changed. And now we see that, yeah. and we have to kind of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, try to help people. And, and it's not about pride and arrogance. It's about saying, hey, and if in two years I find something different, say, hey, guys, we've been wrong. We're going to switch. I don't think that's going to happen based on what I'm seeing. But you have to be open-minded to that, you know. If veganism's the answer and we can prove that, we haven't medically, ethically, you know, it's an ethical choice. But medically, we don't prove that. And, and as, a, as a result, I'll tell you just quickly, uh, there's a guy named uh, Sean Baker. You may have heard of him. He's a carnivore. All he eats is meat. He's a six hmm. foot seven, 275-pound man who's an absolute beast. He's all muscle, no fat. But everyone says, well, it's nice you look like that, but you're going to have to have a heart attack. He just got his coronary calcium score, which is one of the best indicators of coronary disease, zero. He's 52 years old. He lives more <laughs> weight. He's... He eats more seriously more red meat in a year than the average person does in 25 years. He's 25 <laughs> times more red meat than the average person. He has a zero coronary calcium. Then you look at that That's and say, cool. "That is crazy." And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying, "Holy cow!" Yeah. But if that thing, if he was eating cocoa puffs all day and sugar and all that, he would not have a zero coronary yeah, calcium. Finished, I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. yeah. So it's that kind of stuff, and I think that's what we're seeing. That's what Rachel Gregory's talking about. That's what Megan Ramos is saying. And we're all seeing success in our practices, and. And so that's kind of where we're at. That's, that's, that's why low carb advisor came around. That's why low carb MD can't, is, is starting now. And we have okay. a lot of good people coming on. So, yeah. And we're excited that, that you're even interested in this. I know this isn't your area, but you know, I think for you to get knowledge and for your, your um, listeners, well, I can tell you, at least they can... yeah, I don't know if listeners would care or whatever, but I could give a brief answer. Why? Um, you know, I'll just say it's, so I had a thyroid cancer last year and I had read and seen that, uh, you know, uh, a low carb diet, um, low sugar diet appears to stymie cancer's growth. That's what the literature seems to say. So for me, it was a gun to my head. 
So it made it very easy to change my eating habits because the gun to your head yes. it makes it really easy. So I made these changes and you know, I lost about 40 pounds. Uh, I've wow. kept it off. I feel better. I mean, just, you know, life, I still have a ways to go, but I feel a million times better than I used to feel. So that's my journey. And that's why I want to uh, do podcasts on this and let people know about it, the, the benefits of it. One thing yeah, I realized awesome. that, you know, I've yeah. said a few times is <clears throat> if you don't feel good, you will treat the people around you badly because you're lashing out. You don't feel good. And if you feel good, you'll be a better father, you know, husband, brother, et cetera, because you feel good. It's easier to treat people good if you feel good. And that's one thing I think that people really need to talk about is not just like you lose weight, like it improves your life in many other ways that you may not realize. And this is one I think that's super important. Well, yeah. And, and along those lines for your listeners, because you, know, you have and, and financial people and, and entrepreneurs, when you go in and you give a sales pitch, you just people judge you by how you look. If you come in with your gut hanging over and you're slobbingly and tired, people are going to judge you right or wrong on that. And they're going to say, this guy's lazy. I don't trust this guy. And the vast majority right. of the time, it's not because people are lazy and stupid that they're overweight. It's because they don't have the right tools in there. They're insulin resistant. You got to fix that problem. These lazy slobs all of a sudden become very fit and active and energetic and they're exercising. And so a lot of us argue we're, we're, it's, we're not fat because we don't exercise. We don't exercise because we're fat. It's just too much of an effort at some point. So people who lose weight on low-carb keto, I see them a lot of times they become more active, they're more fit, they're engaging with their neighbors, they're doing stuff, mood gets better. Like you said, that, that's what it's about. It's like, you know, we're all going to die at some point. We want to put it off as long as possible. But, you know, if you're going to a meeting, you don't want to feel bad about yourself. You don't want to feel like, oh, my gosh, traveling right. salesman, you, you got to stop needing the, you know, I was I, I flying here to Kentucky this morning was five in the morning. I see you guys carrying uh, uh, Popeye's chicken and, and they're eating that with French fries and all that at five in the morning here. I'm like, holy cow, man, that's like bad stuff. You're drinking a Coke at, you know, to wake up in the morning. So you realize what yep. kind of effect these guys are going to have. And so it's that too. You're right. And you become a better person. You become more interactive. People are going to be more involved in their churches, in their community groups, you know, going out and mm-hmm. doing stuff with kids. You can go hiking and do stuff again because you, now you can. And so, yeah, that's huge what you're doing, bringing it to people. And I, I respect that and that you took the steps and did and you saw the results. And you go, let's have people know what they're talking about, talk about this stuff. And, and so I, I yeah, you know, I really appreciate you having us on. Yeah. Well, great. Well, let's, we're just about out of time. Can you, you know, you gave a lot of resources, but can you summarize, you know, three, four or five resources for people? Because like you said, they need to hear it from a bunch of different places in order to like really get their, get themselves going and get into it. So where, where should they start and what are some resources for them? Yeah. You know, on my website, low carb advisor, I started for my patients so they can go there and look. So I have links to Jason Fung, links to diet doctor, links to, you know, some of the research out there. So you can go on there. I have podcasts that I've done with, with uh, the two keto dudes, love those guys. They, they were, they've been really good to me. Um, There's tons of podcasts out there that you can just listen to when you're driving. You know, if you go for a walk, listen to the, you know, low carb MD, hopefully in in November, but you know, listen to your stuff, listen to, to what people are, are doing. And, and you, that's why I found out about Jason Fung. You hear his name somewhere. It's like, Oh, I like the guy who's talking about him. Well, I'll look to see what he says. Then you see what Jason says. This guy's good. Then, so you kind of go down that rabbit hole. And I think, uh, you know, low, um, uh, dietdoctor.com. Excellent. Uh, I love the two keto dudes. Those guys have both reversed their disease process and that, you know, they're reaching out mm. to people. They're not doctors, but they're, you know, having great success. Rachel Gregory, killing it. Keto is awesome. Uh, Tri-system yep. nutrition in San Diego is really good. So there's a ton of resources. I mean, the thing is you're going to get it. As a matter of fact, I got here to Kentucky and all these guys are eating keto, keto stuff. And I was shocked. They're like, Oh, here's keto coffee. I go, you're just doing that. Cause I'm here. And they're like, no, 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 this is what we we're doing. That. My <laughs> sister-in-law lost 30 pounds. She goes, I love this. I feel great again. You know? So I think That's it's that cool. stuff. And, and 
so there's many resources out there. And, and, you know, I think if you go to diet doctor, that's a really good start because they have, you know, videos of all these different specialists and you can see different perspectives on what they're doing and, and, and what kind of success they're having. And the other thing is there's tons of people who have given their testimonies on there. They come on there and they're, you know, they're losing weight. Mm. They're doing awesome. So yeah, those would be the biggest ones I'd start with. All right. Well, that's great. Well, Dr. Brian, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, I look forward to talking to you again offline, and, uh, and I hope people will get a lot out of this. So thanks for coming. Absolutely, Rich. Hey, thanks for having me, and, and, and congratulations on your journey, really. That's a that 40 pounds. You walk around with 40 pounds on your back for a day or two and see how you feel, man. That's a huge deal. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. commendable. That's inspiring. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.